Hey, welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast here on a Thursday, our second full show of the week. So many games during the week for the 76ers, so this is just our second time. We couldn't wait to get after it. The talk extensively about the basketball team, one and one on the season, one more game, pardon me, on the week, one more game on Friday. So say on the season, the what season. happened to the rest of this? <laughs> push, push to the playoffs, man. Push to the playoffs. You know how we just ignore the regular season anyway, <laughs> but we have a lot to talk about. Alongside my partners, as always, Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck, I'm Devon Givens. And Brianna is hanging out with us, as always, with the production excellence that we will be here with you for this uh, time, talking a lot of Tobias Harris, some, some Christmas movies, since this is our last show before the holiday, Christmas movies, a mailbag. Are we doing a mailbag there, Kyle? Yeah, uh, we took some questions. You know, Derek Depends and I Depends how were, much extra time we have. Yeah, okay. well, Derek and I were scrambling a little bit today with practice time. And by the way, to be clear, it is not our last show before the holidays. It's just our no, last full last show. full show yeah, yeah, yeah. before yes. the holiday. Again, post game following the Sixers. I get to do one tomorrow night with the co host that I like. (laughs) Ouch. Man. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Especially with you taking so late getting in last night, you know, for the post game. Listen, man. I was was up toiling away. You did not win any brownie points with that one, man. Oh, well, I was up toiling away until 2 a.m. writing a story for the Sixers. And Devon kept asking questions. I mean, can we go? While you guys were long since asleep, I was up into the night. (laughs) I was up too. You should have texted me. We could have had a conversation, but we got a lot to get into. And look, the Tobias Harris conversation is always an interesting one because it can go in a lot of different ways. And that's where we're going to go because Tobias Harris's name, again, brought up in some conversations nationally about the trade deadline looming, of course, in February. But his name is popping up right now when many other names are being discussed about his possible availability. Will he be available? Will they look to move him? Is he on the table? Is he off the table? His poor play right now as of late, how much of that gets in the way? Or the fact that his money comes off the books is a good thing. Kyle, start with you. Shams had a report stating that he was talking about Tobias Harris, maybe available, and something that teams might look at. (laughs) Let's let's get right to it, man, because this is also your favorite topic. Oh, I mean, without as question. much as I love talking about Tobias on every show. And look, we did bring this up last week, right? I believe it was James Edwards at The Athletic said that the Pistons specifically were interested in Tobias. Or if at least he's a, made available. If yep. he's made available, which is a very important point. And Sham said today, the Sixers want to keep him around. They know how important he is, end quote. To state the obvious here for the people at home. The Sixers are not going to say anything else right now in late December as they assess what they need to do in order to turn this team into a title contender. And look, in the past, I have said Tobias might not be irreplaceable, but he's a more important piece than people probably give him credit for. Versatile defender, can step up in a pinch, so on and so forth. But I am, I think I'm with the fans right now, having watched him in recent weeks, I, I've just, I've hit my end with watching him go out there and take one three or two threes in an entire 48 minute game as one of the most important players on the team. Honestly, wasn't even that good defensively last night against Minnesota. And that's been one of his things he can hang his hat on. Had some moments, but getting bullied by bigger players, getting blown by, by smaller, quicker players. And I just am struggling to see how Tobias fits into the identity that they're building, where they have the two tentpole guys, right? Joel and Tyrese. And the rest of these guys have settled into their roles as, okay, I'm a a quick decision maker. Nick Batum is the best possible example. Ball hits his hands, either shots going up or the pass is being made to whoever it needs to be made to. And Tobias is still stuck in this old, slow style of play that the Sixers don't want to play anymore, and he's not doing the things that they need him to do. So if there is even close to fair value for him and you're not having to take on long-term money, now those are two difficult goals to achieve pre-deadline, I would admit, but I think it's a no-brainer that you you move him at some point as long as it's something approximating fair value because I just – he sticks out like a sore thumb on this team of guys who have bought in and are playing a certain way. And also I've seen, as I say, every podcast now I've seen this movie before, I know how it ends. 
I would just like to give it a, a different chance heading into the playoffs rather than, hey, this is the third guy on the team again, and Joel might lose early even though he's playing at an MVP level once again. Yeah, and look, to Kyle's point, the Sixers aren't going to say anything right now other than, yeah, we want to keep him around. That's the only real play that they have. It's not like you're going to put him on the market and drum up interest. I think everybody really knows what he is. And if the Sixers do end up trading him, it's not like it's, it will never be a guarantee that they're going to trade him now because the, uh, you know, expiring contract is the thing that matters. Um, it depends whether or not they have other moves lined up where they no longer care about that cap space. So until you actually get to the deadline and you know what you're going to do, it doesn't make sense to potentially alienate a player who you might want to keep around, not even necessarily for basketball reasons, but perhaps for contract reasons. So they're going to play it like they are right now. I wouldn't read too much in the port if you are a trade Toby person, and I would guess pretty much everyone in chat right now is. I wouldn't get too worked up over that report because it's the only way they can really react to these kind of discussions. But man, it is just what frustrates me about Tobias is like he's at this point in his career. What is he? 31? 31. You're not going to expect him to change who he is as a player. Like no I'm not shot. expecting to put him in a pick and roll and have him be an elite decision maker, or a, you know, a quick decision maker, a great passer, a setup man and, you know, lockdown. He's a good one on one defender, but a lockdown one on one defender. He's never going to be a super great like team defender. You just want him to freaking take the shots that are available to him. And this, what's frustrating is before the Sixers traded for him, he was on a clear upward trajectory with that shot. Not like when he came into the league, he barely shot the three. He was at pull up mid range, you know, post up turnaround kind of guy. He was like shooting like a diet Carmelo type yes. player, essentially. He was shooting like two threes per game his first couple of years in the NBA. He worked that up. He became a 40% three point shooter. He was taking nearly six per game with the Clippers. You're like, great. If he can just make incremental improvements of where he is now, that will be a very useful player. He's gone the complete opposite direction. All I want him to do is take, you know, the skills that he's developed early on in his career and continue to apply them. And he just won't do it. And it drives me freaking nuts because he can shoot. I know he can shoot. I've seen him shoot. I see him put in the work to shoot. I saw him put in the work over the years to become a good shooter. Just fucking shoot. And we can, we can use that word now. We couldn't the other day. Kind of killed Kyle's, you know. Yeah, apologies there. for using yep. the B word at Reading Terminal <laughs> to our good friends at Reading Terminal. I got a, a nice uh, finger wag, from, not be, from them, but our yeah, colleagues. Yeah, yeah. So well, just you got to be, be clear. Able to bring broadcast out and stuff. Uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't mind. <laughs> but you guys are opting into the show, so you have to deal with us curse a little bit. All I want him to do is shoot. That's it. That's that's the lowest of low bars, and he won't do it. Like if he's going to take twelve to thirteen shots a game, I want half of those to be catch and shoot threes because the opportunities are there. And if he starts taking them, then Joel and Maxi will continue to pass it to him. It's not like a Kelly Oubre situation last night is going to happen every time down the floor. They will have opportunities, take advantage of them. He just won't do it. It drives me nuts. It'd be like if, you know, Devon signed a contract to work at a new Philly sports media and then didn't startup show up for three and months? then didn't work for yeah. three months. Like a, you know. I have no idea how I'd react to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the perks, man. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and we're eight minutes in and I would say about six minutes of those are Tobias Harris breaking my friends. And I, I, <laughs> that's I, a good way of putting I, it. I didn't expect that because, you know, we're, we're in this. We've seen him for so many years now since he's been here. And that was what, the 2018 season, uh, 2019, uh, 2018, 2019 season. And he has been who he has been. And as Derek talked about before he got here from the Clippers, it was talked about quite often uh, of how well he played there. It, it wasn't a necessity, really, because you had already taken care of the Jimmy Butler piece of it. But it was more of you like the mindset of we're going for it because we see an opportunity. Elton Brand and company went out and acquired Tobias Harris. And again, he was playing really well with the Clippers and he was catch and go. He was taking those three pointers. And even when Doc Rivers I'm got glad here that later, super chat. I don't know how to handle that one. <laughs> and when he got here later, Doc Rivers did. He talked about how he would simply ask him to catch and go. Stop thinking so yeah. much. Just go. Just do it. Whether it was catch and go. Catch and shoot. Whatever one it was, just do it. Every coach that I've covered has been, man, we just want Toby to catch and go. Like, yes. quick decisions. I've heard it from every coach. I'm sick of it. And oftentimes, Derek is like, are you finished your monologue? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I had a lot to say. But That's why I interrupt you. They were so good because Tobias has finally broken them. <laughs> and I, made, I didn't expect us to get to this point where it was, 
Yes, absolutely. Look for something at the trade deadline if it's available. Have that conversation. Not saying do anything. Yeah. Not saying you have to do it at all. But have the conversation because of what he's doing. Because he got off to such a good start this season where they were at, they had four players averaging 20 points at one point at the beginning of awesome. the season. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was playing really well. What has happened since? And I can sit here with you since we're on YouTube and it's a visual. Sorry for the people who listen on the podcast. We know what he's going to do when he gets the basketball. He catches it, sizes you up. And, you know, our buddy Vince talks about Joel Embiid. Often it's, a, it's like a black hole. It stops. Tobias will pass it, but it takes him a while again to figure out what he's going to do. He'll catch it. He'll jab step, right, and do like three or four jab steps before he goes. And when he goes... He does the stutter step when he tries to get to his spot to get to where he wants to go. It's out of the mid-range, tries to get to the rim. He's not as athletic as he used to be, so the elevation is not the same where he's now being challenged even more at the rim and oftentimes denied with that. You call him a diet Carmelo Anthony. That's much better than what I used to say because I would say. That was giving him probably some credit. Because I would say, no, no, because I would always say he is a professional scorer. He's not Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant professional scorer. He's the lower version of the professional score because he does do that. When he's averaging 17, 18, I'm always like, I think you're better than that. Give me 21, 22 because I can see it. I know you can do it. Instead, he doesn't do it. And that's the frustrating part. That's why after a while we talked about it with the money. Stop looking at the money because the money is not going anywhere unless he leaves. So don't worry about it. His jersey number is no longer $180 million. It's still number 12. Just let it be. But the frustration of it all, the fact that you see them playing so well and him playing well at the beginning of the season, why is it that now? Why is it that we're looking up at the end of the game and he's taking three shots in 38 minutes? Why are you, you can't, that's impossible. That is impossible. And it's just very frustrating. And that's why I asked the question the other day to, to more devil's advocate. Is it more of the offense not allowing him to get the shots? Or is it him, Joel Embiid or Tobias Harris, not, I mean, Ty- Tyrese Maxey, getting all these looks and he's not getting it? I was asking that just to ask it because I know what it is. These guys know what it is. All of you out there know what it is. I was just trying to look at it in a different way because it seems damn near impossible for that to happen, especially when you do that in the game six on your home floor where you had an opportunity to knock out the seed, the higher seed, and you only take three shots, all right, you go into the offseason, you're like, I'm not doing that ever again. We've already seen that twice in the past week and a half, and that is unacceptable from that player. And to that point, Devon, Derek will back me up on this. I actually asked Tobias about that specifically at practice today. He spoke to the media, and I said, look, like your three-point volume has been down, and I know that Joel is obviously on his major uptick right now. Tyrese has been Tyrese, but what are you seeing on film that, like – you can do better or are there opportunities that you're missing? And I, Derek, you tell me if I'm wrong characterizing this. <laughs> I thought he gave like three different answers in the span of one answer where he said, Nick is not saying that he's seeing that, but yeah, it's a game to game thing. But yeah, it's, I can always look for ways to improve the team and I'm in here working on my game to do it. And it's like, I think he knows that those opportunities are there and that he can still do more even with, but, you don't Joel being a, but he doesn't want to say it out loud. And look, I, I understand that to a certain extent. But the reason that I'm so just out on this experience is be, because of what Derek's talking about, where it's we have seen this before and we've seen the positive part of it before. Right. Like, I think and we've given him credit on this show for he goes into the offseason with a good plan, a good mindset. And generally, the first month, month and a half-ish of the year, he embodies the principles of what he worked on and what whoever the head coach is, what that head coach wants him to do. He's coming in saying, oh, Doc wants me to be a floor spacer in the corner, taking a certain amount of threes. I'm going to do that. Nick wants me to be aggressive, attacking the rim, playing in transition, all that good stuff. I'm going to come out there and do it. And then it fades and it fades and it fades. And when we get closer to the middle of the season, certainly when we get to the end of the season, we see the guy who he is. Like you can't fight your instinct forever. Eventually the person and the player that you are shines through. And it's it's just baffling to me because as both of you guys are pointing out, he does have the skill, just like the pure mechanical skill 
to be better on a night-to-night basis than he is, to be more aggressive than he is. Like, look, Kelly Oubre, skill for skill, if you broke it down, does not have as much to his game right. as Tobias Harris. Just does not. But when Kelly Oubre has a sliver of an opportunity on a catch-and-shoot three, that shot is going up. And I respect the hell out of that because Kelly will have nights where he goes two for 10, one for eight, whatever it is. But you need that guy in that role as a supplementary player to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey to think, hey, I'm one for eight. I'm going to be two for nine on the next one with five minutes left in the game and everything to play for. And that is what Tobias Harris doesn't have that they desperately need out of whoever the third guy is. Like, I don't know who that's going to be. A lot of people are going to ask, like, well, you can't just trade him just to trade him. I 100% agree and understand that. But I would say most players that you would put in that number three role that are good enough to be in that spot are going to approach it more like Kelly Oubre than Tobias Harris. I just, I can't deal with that mentality anymore. And that mentality has shown up enough over the years that he's been there that I just, I can't believe that he's all of a sudden going to snap to in another important playoff series, just based on no evidence, essentially. And the thing for me too, in watching these games and talking to you for years about stuff, talking to you for years about stuff, whenever we would just discuss things about the game, when I watch the game and you like certain players better at certain things, when you talk about Kelly Oubre, it's his mentality that does that. Yeah. Uh, Tobias mm-hmm. Harris is, is it also has a mentality. It's just not like that. And when I watch him though, and especially when things stall. So we t- I talked about Patrick Beverly last night running through the typical plays with Joel, but he decided, you know what? They're look how look how they're playing him. I'm just going to the basket, whether I miss it or not. I'm going to the basket and getting a shot off because it's a good high percentage shot for him. You're working off your big man. And when I see that, and I want Tobias to be like, yo, screw that, man. Give me the rock. This thing is slowing down. Give me the rock and I'm going to go, you know what? We can ask questions later. Demand the ball. We ask questions later because you know what I just did? I did something that we weren't doing. We weren't scoring. For whatever reason, our offense has stalled. We have had four consecutive possessions where it has not worked. And by the way, I haven't touched the basketball. Give me the rock. I'm going to get this going. Let's get this rolling. And I'll deal with Doc Rivers or Nick Nurse when we get into the timeout. That's what I want. And that's what I want to see. And we, that's where the frustrating part comes in because you know the guy. And you know when this, this is going to happen. In January, he's going to have two weeks where he goes off and he's averaging 20 points and, and shooting 53% from three-point line because he's shooting at a pretty good value. That's what he's going to do because, again, we've seen it before, and that's where it really ticks everybody off. And I, I, I get tired of hearing the complaints of, well, he's not really getting the opportunity. He's not really getting the basketball. Yes, he is. Because when he does get it and he doesn't like a certain thing, whether it's the defense dictating it, he'll immediately pass the ball. Are you supposed to do that? Yes, you are. Because you know what? Yeah, I don't want to get put in a bad spot. But demand it back if you feel like I just needed to get it out of my hands to reset it so I can go because I know I'm going to get him on this next this next go, and that's the thing about it. I don't think I've ever seen Devon this frustrated. <laughs> and you can tell he's frustrated because we just blew past our ad read by like I five solid minutes. <laughs> I saw it. I, I saw the time, and I said, I, I got to get this. I have to get this going. But go ahead. Let's, yeah. Before we continue this conversation, I'm sure we're not Please. done. We want to tell you about Wheelhouse Cards. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community and quick thinking and many three-point shots because love of sports unites us all. (laughs) They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell Ness, 47 brand junk food starter, and Scheib Vintage Sports. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month, so be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend about Wheelhouse Cards. Oh, God. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. And guys, I have to tell you, as we do quite often around here, that if you need tickets, a last minute gift, we're days away from Christmas right now, and you're stressed, you don't know what to get that special person in your life. 
The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. Obviously, if you are going to a Sixers game, I'm sure you don't want to see Tobias Harris record scratch another possession, but look, guys, Joel Embiid is in quite a groove right now. Tyrese Maxey on the ascent. Never been a better time to get some tickets. Head down to the Wells Fargo Center. Check the boys out as they try to mount a you know a title run this year. We're, we're mm -hmm. all hoping for it. We'll see what they do with trades. But if that's what you're in, interested in heading into Christmas, Game Time's the place for last-minute deals on those tickets. You don't have to plan months in advance. Deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for any type of event you can think of. And the Game Time guarantee means you always get the best price. Find tickets in the same section in a row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Tickets get sent directly to your phone. Never have to dig through your email. And for the third time, I think I've already said in this ad read, tickets make great holiday gifts. Four days left till Christmas, guys, so don't miss out. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Right. We have we have a super chat here, uh, which yeah. I want to get to in a second. But before then, I just kind of want to wrap it up because you guys, quite frankly, had very long monologues and I sat on the sideline for a bit. <laughs> Yours was long. <laughs> I do feel like... Tobias is the kind of guy I want to root for. Not only because he's a good guy, and quite frankly, like being a good teammate does matter, and I give him props for that, but also because, like, you know, a kind of guy who's willing to take a backseat, who's willing to buy in and try hard on defense. I think it's real easy to root for, and those are attributes that you want on a teammate, especially when you start talking about a team with two two stars like Embiid and Maxi, has a kind of depth like Embiid and Maxi. I give him credit for all of that. But if you're going to play around Joel Embiid, you need to do at least one, preferably two, of three things. You need to be a quick decision maker, you need to be able to take a lot of shots and have a lot of gravity, and you need to be a good defender. And Tobias sort of kind of checks half of one of those boxes. He's a, he's a, he's a good one-on-one -on -one defender. Sort of kind of checks half of one of those boxes. Well, he's a, he's a good one-on-one <laughs> -on -one defender, and I give him credit for buying in and committing himself to that. He struggles off ball, and he's a capable shooter who doesn't shoot. And I don't really know how to label that, I guess... He get checks half that box again. Not a quick decision maker. Doesn't really have gravity. Not because he couldn't have gravity, but because he almost refuses to have gravity. And that's why he is so frustrating. Forget the contract. But if you're going to be on the floor playing yes. 30, 35 per night, I need you to do at least one of those three things consistently, preferably two. And Tobias is capable of doing two of those. He just opts out of it. And uh, the, the, the defense, the team defense, I don't really blame him for that. That's just processing speed. He doesn't really have that. He's never really had that. And he the gives shooting, the effort. He always gives, always, the effort. Effort. always gives the effort. The so shooting that's not even a question. has to be there because then he would check like one and a half out of those three boxes. If you had to give Tobias Harris a Christmas gift, what would it be? Kelly Oubre's confidence. Derek? He, I mean, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yep. Or Oubre. even like DeAnthony Melton. Like, here's the thing. Melton is similar to Kelly in some ways in that he doesn't need a ton of space to think, yes. I can make this three. He, and there'll be games where he's two for six, yep. one for seven, whatever it is. Game six. Keeps going. Well, yeah, obviously there's downsides <laughs> to him having that confidence. But you need, like, he had I would rather live with him stepping confidently into threes than not taking them at all. 100%. I don't think that's even a question. Not even close. I nope. agree. I agree. That's it. And I just, like I said, I almost want to, like, I I think my natural instinct would be defend him because I don't blame him for the contract. I give him credit for buying in defensively. Just take a freaking shot. Ugh. Except Ugh. I'm typically with you on the contract thing when guys sign that. What was he supposed to do? Say no? Right. Right? I wouldn't say like, like Sixers want to give me 40 million a year? Yes. Yeah, same me thing up. with the Iguodala contract when he got 84 and he was offered 50 whatever and they upped it. And it was like, well, what was he supposed to do? Take Not right. take it and not become yeah. the number one guy? You right. take it. But... When that happens, there comes a responsibility with that, and that is the criticism when you don't do well, the praise when you do play well, and when you don't play well the way that he has not, that's when the criticism becomes what it is for the life of that entire contract. When you spend that time here in Philadelphia, you're going to get it. Right. There's responsibility that comes with that, and you have to take that, and that's not three points in one, uh, three points in one game and three shots in one game. Yeah, and like I said, you can acknowledge the impact that the contract has on team building and also say, 
Of course he's going to sign that freaking contract. Have to. I blame that on the administration that was there at the time. Question from Rick Sachs. Uh, does trading Tobias preclude the Sixers from a max next year, no matter what they get back? No. It, like, very much depends on what they get back. If they get back expiring yeah. contracts, and you're, you know, it's a like-for-like like swap. It's not going to impact you at all. Also, I don't, we've said this a lot, but having max cap space next year might not matter. It depends on whether or not they get the guy that they want at the trade deadline this year. If they do make that trade, then you don't worry about max cap space next year. But you just, that's part of the reason why I don't think that there, there's going to be any movement on the bias trade until we get to the deadline, because you have to know what your priorities are for next summer. Yeah. And I, I feel like Bojan's name has come up a lot more recently, partially because of the, the Pistons reporting. Boyan's a good example of he's got money owed to him next year, but it's all, I believe it's only like two million guaranteed. Now they'd have to cut him before I think it's like June 29th, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. somewhere right before free agency, if they wanted to move on. And you know, they at that point they probably would know, hey, we have this free agent lined up, whatever. But, well, and at the very least, they would know what they did at the February trade deadline, so you know whether or not the cap space. Is so yeah, and. Look, I putting together an actual theoretical trade is tough without more people becoming available. Derek and I keep joking about this as we're at games and practices. It's like the same three people are have been on the trade block for yeah. three months. And you know, more will pop up over the next month, month and a half until the not even month and a half. It's that trade deadline's creeping up on us. But yeah, I just it, I personally am at the point that a lot of fans are at where I just person I want to see something different. I, I can't see Joel and I'm excited for Tyrese as the number two guy, but I don't want to watch the Sixers in the playoffs with Tobias as the number three guy on a team that has at least a small chance to win a title. I just can't do it again. I have to, I want to see something different even if it's just for the sake of shaking things up. That's not the mentality they should go in with for a trade. They should actually try to win a trade and upgrade the basketball team. But I'm just at my wits end with this stuff. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you broke him. Finally broke him. Oh, talk, I've been talk broken about a lot. Do you, do you know the number of things we've gone through over the years? Kyle and I have been broken for a decade. That's yeah, oh, just one player, though, man. He just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I mean, we, we, we think we know, and I think we talked about it, but golly, man, golly. All right. And, I think and, we had another super chat as well, by the yeah. way, from uh, Harrison G question for the guys in Brianna. How much on top of Toby would you do for Bojan? Hmm. Nothing. I mean, Cause I think Troy Weaver is a bozo who would do it straight up, but that's <laughs> one, you know, one for one. <laughs> Again, this is going to come back to what else happens at the deadline. Yeah. It's just a, a question I can't answer now. And it's not because I don't want to answer it. It's because it depends on a lot of other things. What other opportunities are out there? Also, I, I want to say, I, I do like, I do like Boyan. Like I would love a guy with that kind of gravity. Boyan as an offensive fit, I think it makes a lot more sense than Tobias. What I would worry about with him I think he's taken several steps oh, back sure. defensively. Like I, I yeah. think at his peak, and he's a little bit older too. So yeah. when he was Utah, um, but I, he, he was, was a really very good, good two-way player. Oh, he is, yes, he he's was. almost. He'll be thirty-five by the playoffs. Right. He's yeah. a little yeah. older than I was thinking. And look, if you're not making other major trades and you go into the playoffs with it's like Bojan and Batum are starting and closing guys, and you're, uh, we've yeah. sung Nick Batum's praises on this show, right? But if two of your top options defensively are those guys and you have to defend the yeah, Boston yeah. Celtics, for example, I think you're in a world of pain. So that would be very contingent on what else happens move-wise with other players. And the report was out there again about Zach Levine and OG Ananobi with Shams talking about the Tobias piece. He also mentioned those two. There's going to be a lot of interest around those two where it's not just the Sixers bidding. They're going to have some competition if that's the direction that they go. So, again, this is going to be something that continues to evolve as we get closer to the trade deadline, less than two months away. But maybe some names will pop up that we don't expect. Oftentimes, you just see somebody's frustrated and a team goes in a different direction than they expected, and we'll start to see those names. So we'll, we'll see. And wasn't sure I would see Tobias Harris even with that money. Wasn't sure we would see that this early. 
but it's certainly there. Uh, Liam also jumps in on the super chat. Most broken moment uh, covering <laughs> supporting the Sixers. So covering the Sixers is this the most broken you've been? Oh, oh no, 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 no. And no, I'll no. even go while they've been a, a contender. I, I'll, I'll say it's Ben Simmons because I was a big Ben Simmons. Uh, I was a big. I, I liked his game uh, despite the outside <sighs> shooting. That was the one that I would I would stand up and continue as much as I would say aggressive Ben Simmons is the best Ben Simmons. It was for that reason, because if he was aggressively doing the things that I needed to see him yeah. do, they were going to advance to the Eastern Conference finals. I don't know about the NBA finals, but we'll see. We'll see how it played out. But that was the one where he he broke me after that non shot against the uh, Trey Young baseline non-defense just showing up yeah. and forcing him to pass to Matisse Thybul, that's when he broke me. So it's, that's the one that broke me, Liam. It was it was because I was big on Ben Simmons, and he broke me then. There's been so many. It would be so hard to actually come to a conclusion on this one because Ben was certainly one of them. Markel broke me. I'm saying that because he was here. Yeah. He did it. We no, saw it. We saw the success. When they turned, it was because of Joel Embiid and him. And the other supporting cast, I was a big J.J. Reddick guy, of course, but it was that. Yeah. He was the no, one that, it, that I It's certainly that in the, the pantheon of, of broken moments. I will say, I think probably the one I will go back to is, you know, and, and Rich and I were there. I remember talking to him because we were sitting there in a room. The Sixers called a, a press conference and didn't announce what it was about. And Jerry Colangelo walked through that door. And the reason <laughs> that one broke me was because that's when you, like I always said, it wasn't about Hinky. It was the fact that they gave him the rope and they were willing to have a view that nobody else in the league would and job security nobody else would. That was their, their superpower. When they panicked and caved, that sort of broke me because that's the one competitive advantage they had was the fact that they weren't worried about the short-term timeline and were willing to take gambles like Embiid who wasn't going to play for a year or Sharch who wasn't going to come over ever, but in reality, two years. The fact that they had a long view was their one advantage and it was gone. Well, he also wanted a 10-year contract and... That wasn't happening. Who did? Sam Hinkie. No, it didn't. <laughs> I think it was false for me. False for I, I think because, look, it, it, the blow has been softened now because Tyrese is as good as he is and in many ways is like, this is who you're hoping faults would have become in a lot of ways. But to see the skill set that he had, to see those very brief flashes that we got at summer league before he got hurt and, you know, exit summer league early and then show up for training camp. And you're like, what in the goddamn hell happened to this kid yeah, in the last stunning. month, was two months. Stunning. And then watching it unravel even further where look, I, you could go back through my Twitter account history and the media tab and see all the videos that were posted of like, him playing one-on-one -on -one in practice and just was unable or unwilling to shoot the free throw in Miami that Rich Hoffman actually asked him about oh my and God, got the like clutch a where he like pulled it back. awkward non-answer. That, that whole saga, especially because, and I know Derek did too, we got so close to what was going on and learning all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like That was the thing that really was... You can deal with the the stupid burner account stuff and the Ben the Hawk series is the highest leverage colossal failure to me, right? Like I agree with you that I mean they're the number one seed. They're clearly the better team that year and just <gasps> an immense choke job to Have get. Have the Hawks even been series. a five hundred team since then? That's what I know. It's like to lose that series is just brutal. But the Markel thing because of the, the ramifications that it had, I mean, the Jimmy trade in some ways happens because, because of, of sure. what happened yeah. with mm -hmm. Fultz. And then it's just like everything. There's like just this huge butterfly effect that comes out of that. He was traded for Jonathan Simmons in a pick or whatever. Now that pick became Mar uh, Mar uh, Tyrese Max. But it's the Maxson. point of yeah. it that Jonathan Simmons was looked at more so of, Wow. Maybe you can use this this defensive versatility in the playoffs because you weren't getting anything from Markel Fultz. Unfortunately, that was a bad one. I I forgot about that one. But I, I feel still like the, on the one that Simmons broke you one. though was probably trading your cousin, and that was a terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, but they were still good. They were still good. You you know what I mean? So it, that was bad. But all right, you know, you put all that stuff aside. All right, he's cool. He's going to Phoenix. All that. I didn't want him to go to Phoenix because of, at that time they were terrible. By the way. Liam's bringing it up in chat. None of us even talked about the shot. No. 
I say this all that the was time. Just, that was just a, that was just a basketball play to me. If anything is like, I think call, that broke a lot the, of fans. You call it, it, for, for me, sure. For me, it was you don't. You, oh, oh, you're not going to call that travel. And I called it in the <laughs> moment. Tyler Zuli produces here at PHLY. We're sitting there, and I said to him, "That's a travel." And then it goes on because I didn't think he was going to make the shot anyway. I, I mean, thought it was going to go to overtime. It was a hell of a contest by Embiid. He had no business making that shot. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, you just ignore, ignore that travel <laughs> when he does. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're bringing steps. up all the, uh, the heartbreaking. <laughs> it's Liam's uh, fault. Thank you for the donation. <laughs> One of our first uh, our first uh, interviews here at PHLY was I asked Nick whether he was going to apologize for Kawhi traveling on that shot. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Did he acknowledge that he traveled? Did he acknowledge it? Okay. Yeah, because that was clearly a travel in the moment. I was like, whoa, you're not going to call that? Okay. All right. I got it. I see where we're going. We're going to overtime. And then he hits the shot. So, no, didn't mention that because it was more the travel and then the other stuff that these two guys mentioned, plus Ben Simmons. That was that was bad. Thank you, Liam, for, for bringing that up. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, let me tell you about Foco as we uh, no longer have Ben Simmons uh, things behind us for display because Thank he's God no longer here. And uh, Foco is the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment and merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, <laughs> accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items and more a friend of mine texts while we're doing the show and said he traveled twice <laughs> maybe you could have maybe you can have that uh, that that as a as a foco collectible if you're a toronto fan but here in philadelphia not a good one best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms it's football and tailgating season Couple of games left here in Philadelphia. You can get your overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided some awesome pieces for our sets, as you see every day when we do our shows. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. And that's for 10% off. Make sure you jump in there again. Non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10%. It's not too late. The holiday season to grab something quickly and get it done. PHLY10 for your 10% off. Man, bringing up some 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 bad memories there. Seriously. Uh, it oh felt, it felt a little bit like an offseason. That was Devon's first offseason show of his PHLY tender. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. I think the Fultz thing was really something. It's good to see him back and doing what he's and doing. And it was just and wild how, and, and Kyle can speak to this too, how every side had a completely different perspective and they were all 100% confident that their perspective was right too. And you know, and the, the one I felt, you know, you felt bad for the kid, man. He was, yeah, the guy just lost, yep. you know, how, however and it happened. You could like talking to him and being around him, you could see how like, completely unprepared he was to yeah. deal with what he was going through. And that's like on a, that's why I think I feel that one the most. Cause on a personal level, like set aside, like we're reporters covering the team. We have to be objective about it, whatever. But when you see a kid 19 years old, number one overall pick, all this pressure. And the way on he him. became a number one pick. Yeah. Like came from basically nowhere. And then, to have all of it and then it just crumbles and he just can't reclaim the player that he was. And meanwhile, everyone around you is willing and, and eager to talk to everyone in the media to yeah. save their own ass. It was really like as someone very close to it, it was a little heartbreaking to see that and go through it and see him like the fans. I give a lot of credit for sticking with him, sticking up for him. The standing and, ovations and all of yeah, that like, stuff. Yeah. I, I think for that was like the Sixers version of the Trey Turner thing, right? Like it's very easily could have been like, well, screw this kid who came in and it's making this money, number one overall pick and he's doing nothing. But I think people were generally, if anything, were like, leave the kid alone. Oh, people yeah. like Derek and I, and like, I respect that to a certain degree. Like it got a little aggressive as it mm -hmm. tends to, but I respect that people were like, they could see that he was going through something. Yep. And rallied behind him. And that, at the very least, was uh, an example of what I think separates Philly fans from a lot of other My places. cousin asked me this question last year when Fultz really started to turn it around again. And even though he doesn't have the shot back, he's not afraid to shoot it. Right. And he's playing well, closing out the, uh, the Orlando season really well. 
And my cousin asked me, who would you prefer to have for this current Sixers group? Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz. And this was last season at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Kyle and Rich and I debated that last season at some point. And I said, give me Ben because at least he's an elite, versatile defender. Not anymore. I said, nope. and when nope. he asked the question, I said, it's crazy. I would take I said, the Von Givens over Ben Simmons. Now, part of that is because Ben's injuries have gotten so bad that My he's man. no longer the defender he was. But yes. Yeah, because I was at the time when he asked me, I said, folks, just simply because he had that aggressiveness back on the offensive end. He was never He'll afraid to still yeah. shoot. Yep. He's, as ugly as it was from the three-point line, he was still shooting. Well, and but he it, still had that aggressiveness. And then... He gave a damn on the defensive end. He may not have been as good as Ben, but he gave a damn. Yeah. Where I would, I could accept less defense with what he was giving you offensively of not being afraid. And he would attack the basket, get to the free throw line because his free throw shooting looked significantly yes. different, and he was making his free throw. So that's to why his, I said his false. credit. He never got the three pointer back. He never even really got the long two back consistently. But, but the he free throw, he's gotten back to 80 percent pretty consistently. And because of that, he attacks the rim. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and good passer, good defender. He's really that one hurts. And that explosiveness that is still there. Yeah. So yeah, that wow. Memories. We got some trolling We've been in through the, some shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shit. Oh, man. Yeah, who we got? We got a few that we haven't gotten to so far. But Ash says, guys, our our guy Ash here very often. Guys, can you comment on the league wide conspiracy by NBA referees to officiate Joel different than everyone else? Credit Locked on Wolves pod. I mean, I don't even know who does Locked on Wolves, so no shade at the Locked on Wolves guy. I will yeah, I say, remember. guy or guys or gals, whoever does the show, I will say this. Minnesota fans are a special breed of unhinged when it comes to Joel Embiid. Yeah. And Joe it is like, Towns. I don't say this lightly, <laughs> it's like borderline QAnon level conspiracy making <laughs> in the middle of Sixers-Wolves games where they act like, like look, does Joel get a good whistle? Of course he does. Guy shoots a lot of free throws. Does Joel get fouled constantly during games? Of course he does. Like the funniest part of that game on Wednesday night, Rudy Gobert in the third quarter is guarding Joel around the elbow and Joel rises up to shoot a jumper. Rudy had his hands out, did the typical reach in thing that Joel gets a lot of guys on. Gets called for his fourth foul. Rudy Gobert's Loses immediate thought, yep. he's throwing, he's putting his hands up like this. Palms so up, I'm man. sorry for my audio-only listeners. Hands up like this. Goes to the bench to Chris Finch and the staffers, and he's asking the guy with a tablet in his hands. He's saying, like, <laughs> I didn't foul him. I had my hands back. I had his hands back. And the guy just looks at him and goes, come, come <laughs> sit down, my man. It's like, you fouled him. And that, to me, is like, look – if the coaching staff of the player who's complaining is telling that player, bullshit, you fouled him, that was stupid, then like cut the crap with all the, the conspiracies and the he gets such a great whistle. Like Joel's been in foul trouble at times recently. And I watched somebody posted a Twitter clip of we just want Joel to be officiated the same. And it was like all these plays that Minnesota was around the basket or attacking Joel and he didn't foul him. There might have been like a single borderline, like, oh, maybe that could have been a foul. The rest of them were just like Joel's being tall at the basket and defending how a big man should. I've I, I read an article this morning from Tom Ziller uh, from his newsletter, and he was, uh, I think he was talking about ethical scoring, and he used that in quotation marks because that's <laughs> not, it wasn't his phrase, and he examined it. And if you took free throws out completely, just didn't count them. Joel Embiid would still be the second leading scorer in the NBA. Mm -hmm. To your point, he Who scored would be first. Uh, I think it was Luca. Okay, but that's because he's a three-point heavy volume yeah, shooter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To your point, he scored like thirty-four points on two pointers last <laughs> night. Like this, he's not just scoring he because they're putting him on the free either. throw line. Yeah. yeah. Now look, I will say this. This was pointed out, and I think this is a fair point. One of the things that the foul drawing does, especially when it's early in games it gets harder to like actually defend Joel. So, so he gets, he has more space for those jumpers as games wear on. Mm -hmm. And I, so I understand like you would see that in football, right? Like when you get called for penalties early in the game, then you're like, you right, I can't play yep. as much press coverage. So then guys are able to get off on slants or get off on, you know, crossing routes, whatever. I understand that penalties 
and fouls change how games are played and might allow an offensive player to have an advantage over the course of the game. But my contention is I'm not seeing dozens of plays where it's like that's definitely not a foul. Yeah. I would venture to guess 95-plus percent of what is called a foul against Joel Embiid is a foul. They're not just inventing these things out of nothing. And, yes, they're going to call fewer of these little ticky-tack type fouls in the playoffs. It is something that he needs to be aware of. It has to be factored into this is how I'm going to attack teams. You can't do as much of the same thing James Harden has run to in the playoffs before. The foul baiting is good, and it's necessary at some level to manufacture points here and there. It can't be all you do, and it's not all he does. And I hate that people who don't like either the Sixers or Embiid specifically yes. try to boil his game down to, Fouls. well, he just gets fouled all the time. Yeah. Well, that's right. not even close to true. Like I said, going back to the Tom Ziller point, if you, and then this was if you removed free throws from everybody's scoring chart, he would still be the second leading scorer in the NBA despite barely shooting any threes. Here's He's my a problem dominant player. As a fan of basketball and reading and watching things and seeing fans from other places react the way that they do. Here's why I call it BS because number one, let's just do the easy part. If he's on their team, it's not a problem. Yep. They love it. I do wonder how much of this might go back to the, uh, the choking. The, well, the, the fight between yeah. Embiid and Towns a couple yeah. years ago. And yeah. the Eagles Vikings NFC yeah. championship game didn't help either. <laughs> no. So if, if he's on their team, they're not complaining because it's beneficial for their team. That's just fandom, right? I, I get that part. The complaining is fandom too. I, I get that part also. But here's my thing, because I even want to ask this to some other NBA players myself, and we even talked about maybe even having fun with the segment called Palms Up because, like, Rudy Gobert is complaining about that, that, that complaint. That is every day in an NBA game. Yeah. Every day. Every star player gets favorable calls. Does he get more than most? Well, he gets more, uh, yeah, because he's a big man. How many big men can do what he does? Uh, Jokic? Towns. And none make as many as Can, he does and, as and, the and, other and, thing. And, and none in the, the part. post, yeah. And none in the post. No big man works on the post anymore like he does. Many of them hover around the three-point line. He does, but he lives at that elbow where he gets that shot off. He can put the ball on. And then they still fall for that stupid, long, elongated ball fake at the top of the three-point line where they go for it. He used to joke. Right? He's like, I have no they idea why any... He's like, I shoot 32%. Why is anybody falling why for that? Why are they going for that? <laughs> he's not... He just, exactly. So, and then and then the other... To, 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 to go on the point again of the star players, every star player, for whatever their foul merchant play is, they do it. Yeah. And they get the call. Giannis and is, it's on the tape. It's on every single every scouting time. report that you're going to read. Giannis is one of the worst. <laughs> one of the worst. I don't mind it watching it because you know what? It's an advantage to him. Aren't you as an offensive player looking for the advantage? Your coaching staff should want you to do those things. That is your advantage. That is one of his advantages that they cannot defend him. So do these things. Now, I wasn't a fan of the rip through. That part I didn't like. That one I didn't like because the rip through. All right, come on, man. I mean, sometimes you get, but come on. All right, that's whatever. So that one I'm not. I'm not a big fan of. But the other stuff, stop it. If other fans from other cities watch, stop it. Stop complaining. I know it's a good back and <laughs> forth with the Sixer fans and all of that stuff. But if he was on your team doing this, or if Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns were even able to do that, you would love it. Absolutely love it. Because it's getting more points for your team for the ultimate goal to win the game. So stop it. And it goes back to the MVP conversation of all that stuff. I saw Tim Bontemps had leaked some, some of the videos leaked out there. Of course he should want to win. We talked about that the other day. Because who wouldn't want to? Who wouldn't want to get free throws because they're free? All right? They're free. <laughs> who wouldn't want those? So stop it. Because you would all want it. And add on to it's that. insane. Another example. Remember when Devon, like, for the first week was, like, a little bit, like, mellow. deferential? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. It's to add ridiculous. on to that, Devon, one thing I always hated throughout LeBron's career, I would still dislike that this happens. He got dinged as like, well, he's not as good a pure scorer, whatever the fuck that means, yeah. as like Carmelo Anthony. LeBron is now the all-time leading scorer in NBA history because, to your point, he has taken 
the gifts that he was given physically and certain certainly the work that he right. put in right to maintain say, his body you to, don't like, look like that he had natural him. gifts but you don't maintain that over 20 whatever years without a significant amount of work and dieting and whatever but people always discounted like well lebron just drives to the basket and gets fouled and it's like yeah, and he should because he's built like a goddamn tank. Of course he should. Of course he should try to get eight to ten free throws a night. And then you build off from there. You don't do the opposite and like, hey, you're Joel Embiid and you're seven foot tall, 200 whatever pounds. You don't say, well, the first thing I'm going to do is take eight threes a game. And then maybe I'll get to the free throw line. You play inside out. You go and you punish people at the basket. You draw fouls. And then when they're in jeopardy, their lives get much tougher to guard you further from the basket. He approaches it how an apex scorer and a seven-foot-tall big man should approach it. And I'm just tired of the complaining about it. If you don't want your opposing players to be in foul trouble, stop fucking fouling him. Three quick points uh, because we are getting towards the end of the show, and you guys. We got uh, a lot more, man. We have, we have a lot, man. We a, little, a, little, a little wordy. We actually solicited mailbag questions before the show, and we're not getting to a single one of them. <laughs> mailbag might have to wait till next, <laughs> next week. Next week. We'll see. Talk to you I next love week. how Sixers fans complain that he shoots too many jumpers, and opposing team com- fans complain that he's a free throw merchant. How can both of them be true? I feel true? like the jumper complaints have disappeared, though. Yeah, I think well, that wait was until definitely... he has one game where he misses a bunch. That's probably true. When you're shooting 53% or whatever on him, yeah, people stop complaining. Wait until he he hits a slump second thing because you brought up the nfc championship came a while back remember when the sixers fans and this sort of ties into two of our topics co-opted the skull, skull. chant into Fultz. um that was great i don't know why but that just randomly <laughs> came into uh my mind and i hmm, i actually forget the third one uh, right, two well, was good enough well, let me let no me, but i think the third one is actually the best but, uh, eh, let, let me let me add on though because all right the jump shooting part all right people talking about all right well oh, he, the other one go ahead this is the only thing I'll say defending Wolves fans, but you used to complain. I when like Sha- Wolves fans a lot, no, no, by the way. You used to complain when Shaq would get calls on Dikembe, right? You probably, that probably. Actually, no. No? No. Because, they used to frustrate Because I always me. laugh because when I, especially in the NBA finals, he used to lift Dikembe off his feet just oh, yeah. by backing him down. Yeah. He did nothing but what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Lifting him off his feet by backing him down. And that's an advantage. My that's, only point is I think that. most, I think these kinds of post players, physical post players, there's always going to be a lot of complaints about the way they but play see, that's and the way they're appreciated. Go. Take away the take away the jump shooting, and you know you talk too many jump shots. Sixer fans, uh, jump shooting but getting fouled from opposing fans. If he only played back to the basket on the low block, they would still have to foul him. Oh sure, and not yeah. not on purpose, but because they're trying to block it. He's jump hooking, he's dunking on them, whatever it was. He has great footwork, all that stuff. He's still going to get fouled. So it's because of the other foul calls on the perimeter at the at the elbow, yes. the three-point shooting, and he's driving on them and doing it. It's because most big men ev- ever can't do what he does to get the free throws. He gets them from outside, from mid-post, mid-range, and on the low block, and it's because he earns it because he's a skilled player, and they have no freaking clue of how to stop him he really That's is it. entirely unique because we do see seven footers with skill right chet mm-hmm. has an incredible skill level mm-hmm. you just don't see seven footers built like Shaq with this kind of skill level and that's why he pisses so many people frankly on both sides of the equation off all right gavin james harden we have a couple Worst of super chats here. 2018 discourse or joel's 2020 they're both all time bad yeah. in terms of just the and I, I would say this too. Harden's stands, like his diehard people, are about as vicious as Philly fans. <laughs> like they're very committed to I thought his was James genius, Harden. Though. I thought his was I genius. I mean, they're look, I would put them in the same kind of class, right? They're two all time great offensive well, players. That, that's why when Devon went off on the rip through, like it's in the rule books. Why would he not use it to his advantage to try to get points? I didn't, I didn't, was I didn't like mind too. it. It was just that was way down as far as the complaints of the things that he did. That one was like, all right, whatever. I, I get it. James Harden ripped through, though. It was a lot of times, though, because I'm driving on you and I'm pulling that basketball up because right. you have your hands out. Bad job by you. Bad job. You be better. Stop me or, or do it. However you're going to do it, do it. But don't do this. It's what Gobert's coaching <laughs> staff said. Wednesday night. <laughs> get your hands out the cookie jar is what they say. Right. And we had another super chat uh, that we have to get to. 
uh, that was Davon uh, asking, how do you guys feel about Kuz, Gafford, and Tyus? I assume he's asking about for t- In a trade uh, for Tobias. Tobias. We already know about the t- t- Tyus. I mean, I was going to say, yeah. number one number Tyus one. Jones fan on the podcast, I have to say that love Tyus. Uh, the other guys, Kuz is tricky for me because I think his contributions on the Lakers title team have become underrated I over totally time. I totally agree. I think when he was on a team with more vet guys where he's cast in that kind of three, four, number three, number four guy in the pecking order type role, or is like coming off the bench at times, I think that suited him well. I think you got a better defensive version of Kuzma and you get rid of some of the warts that you're dealing with now that he's like the guy in Washington. My concern is that three he viewed well the contract, yes, but also that he now views himself as the guy. Right. And I don't know if you're getting him to recalibrate just because he's being Back traded to, to a team yeah. with Joel and Tyrese. Like I that'd be someone that I think as much as we've said it with Levine, I would worry Kuzma would come here and be like I'm the number two, and Maxi, you move to the side. Now, I even wonder if he's clearly, young enough where you can get him back there. And, and maybe that's, that's the thing. It's hard to know. He's right? Like, he's not super young. Fair, fair. Well, my, my my concern is Kyle's plus a three or sixty he has left on his contract after the season. You actually have to believe in him as a piece. Um, and I'm just like, player, if the Sixers end up needing cap space next summer, I don't want Kyle Kuzma getting in the player way. Player for player, would you would you just swap him? Would you do it? Player for player, Tobias Harris for Kyle Kuzma. If we're not talking about contract, if we're just talking, yeah, if we could if we're throw just the contracts out, I think yes. And, and the mentality, I take the gamble. You take the yeah. gamble, yeah. Because last year I did ask that question, and I was I was getting destroyed about it. And I was like, um, you know, he does the stuff that you want on the wing, where you have a smaller You're, you guy. You would have to live with more of the head scratcher, what the hell is he doing moments. But I think there's like. There's just a not like the right level of crazy in a way, like where that he's just like, like, yeah. And I would he add, might see, be down I, I ten add, points, and he might score ten points. In see, I think I think I might go on the other side of that. I think his craziness is in part on defense too. I think his team defense is That's pretty one on one. He's a decent defender when he puts his mind to it. Team defense, I do not trust him at all. I do not want that. And when you add in that contract, I'm a hard no. Yeah, right. Also, well, that's why we have to throw the contract out because I agree. Why, yeah. I, I don't want the no. long term money. But I'm, if you were just saying. But I would also add the coach. One for one. I would also add the coach. Can can that coach get through to him in Nick Nurse? Uh, again, he's twenty eight. I, I think at this point you look at him as he is who he is. Okay. All right. I gotta ask before we get and out. And Gafford here. was thrown in there too. Gafford as a backup. Know, backup yeah, I'm cool with him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with him. I will ask this though before we get out of here. Die Hart. Uh, we got to do the gotta, Die Hard of Christmas. Okay. Do die hard of Christmas. So I say yes because it pisses people off, and I like that. That's the only reason? No, I mean, I would probably, you know, that's the main reason, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here, <laughs> so I will be the dissenter in the Is Die Hard a Christmas movie debate. All right. Here's my case Any movie that you wouldn't, that you would watch at a time that isn't the Christmas season is not a Christmas movie. That is my case. Die Hard has a Christmas element to it, certainly. I could watch Die Hard in May. I wouldn't watch fucking Frosty the Snowman or How the Grinch Stole, Stole Christmas in can, can March. You, can you watch Elf in March? No. Anyone who does is a psycho, <laughs> personally. Like, I'm a big, like, so I'm a, if it's not after Thanksgiving up until Christmas, Get Christmas nonsense away is from home, me. Is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Yes, and can, I wouldn't you, watch and, Home Alone. But you the can rest watch that. You, Kyle, you can watch that. Year I would round. never watch Home Alone. Not around. Christmas. And so, it, uh, all right, looking for that's you, one of the qualifiers. For, you may not. If it's on your guide and you're just flicking through and it's there, are you not sitting there and watching Home Alone in March because it's a good movie? No, nope. at all. No. Nope. Ah, oh, that's psycho work right <laughs> wouldn't, there. Wouldn't do it. There so, well, here's the thing. There are so many movies out there. That now, like, of course, there are so many movies, but if it's good, it's good. I am generally not a rewatcher. Oh, I'm a rewatcher. There are certain movies, definitely, like I've seen Happy Gilmore the million times and certain other stupid comedies a million times. Yeah. But I would say I try to see as wide a variety of movies as possible. So... 
you are damn sure not getting me to watch a Christmas movie in, you know, March. See, I can watch Friday after next at any point of the year. 12 <laughs> months. It's around Christmas. They have a Christmas party. They're trying to get the money up for the rent in December. <laughs> um, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. That's right, Shahid. I am a Christmas <laughs> protocol truther. <laughs> and in our household, I, the rule was oh, until Thanksgiving is over, no Christmas decorations, no music. I, I got my ass dragged to buy a tree on fucking Black Friday. I had no choice. It was, <laughs> it's time. If I was giving a serious answer, I would say, no, it's not. It's just a movie that happens to be set and based around Christmas time. I would say the same thing, quite frankly, about Home Alone. I don't think Home Alone is a Christmas movie either. It just happens. Hey, they wow. just happen to use Christmas as a plot point to get him so what is, what is considered a Christmas movie? Is it? It's based around Christmas. Frosty the it's, Snowman. It's, Jingle All the yeah. Way is a Christmas movie, which is my favorite Christmas. That's your movie. favorite. Well, I will As a say, kid. Uh, no, a, I'm an Arnold guy through and through. I think there's a lot of flaws in that movie. Like, how did they not know I mean, that he was the character? With, <laughs> I mean, this is we this got is a, true look, for every. We got we got Sinbad playing a postal oh, worker. It's fantastic. We got Arnold as the. It's fantastic. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman trying to steal. Obviously, he was. That was a bad character, man. (laughs) Phil was doing some dirty work there, man. He was a skeevy neighbor. Oh my gosh, man. He was bad. (laughs) He was really bad. But I mean, come on, man. You can't have like. Here's another good one. Provolone John asked if Gremlins is a Christmas movie. They're blowing up the Christmas tree. Two. I would challenge people to watch that and not think about the undertones in that movie because I watched it recently and it's like. You wouldn't well, make a little this again. questionable. They I don't know if they're making this, this one again. I have not re- watched that in a long time. If they now. remade it, I think there'd be some things that either got completely rewritten or left out entirely. Oh, Let's put it man. that way. That might be a, I might have to go check it out. It's been decades since I've seen it. When that. I saw them in the microwave again, I was like, oh, I forgot about this. We were trying to blow them up in the microwave. Oh, it's fantastic. Derek, you got to go watch it. You got to go. Movie review right here on PHLY Podcast. We're going to watch Gremlins and we'll tell you about it next week <laughs> because it's fantastic. I'd but you're right. It, it fits in the problematic zone. Oh, my and, gosh. And, yeah. yeah, there are a lot, a lot of movies that I rewatch, and I'm like, oh, they wouldn't do this. I was watching American Pie recently. Not happening. Not making that again. Nope. No, well, for a number of reasons. <laughs> not making that again. <laughs> you're not making that again. This I is need fun. to go watch Jingle All the Way, though. I, I haven't wa- seen it my, So my daughter and I, last year, uh, we were like, let's just find a different Christmas movie that we haven't watched in a long time. We watched it again. And that's why I was like, huh. How did they not, mom and son, realize that dad is the character of the, the toy? The Turbo Man? Yeah, Turbo Man. Listen, I, I will go to bat job. for bad Arnold's job. filmography against almost anybody. He's got some of the mo- number one, most... Number one, he has maybe the best action movie of all time, Terminator 2. The original Terminator is great. Terminator 2 might be the single best action and movie And I was watching made. that one recently. It's still that movie really holds good. up today. Still really good. The goat James Cameron, who also directed probably the second best action movie ever, which is Aliens. My brother, who is what is he like thirty six now, thirty seven? My younger brother, his one of his favorites is Last Action Hero. Oh, super underrated. Last Action. He would watch that. Oh, I gotta all get the to the Choppa from Money Mar. We love that. <laughs> we love that. I don't know if you guys ever. Did the like the soundboards? The Arnold soundboard was a big one for like prank calls back in the day. Uh, we used to get our buddies all the time with the the kindergarten cop. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> kindergarten cop, underrated. Another see, he's got the underrated. range. He's got the drama, the comedy, the action. Then he became a governor, and he, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, folks, this was a good one. What's your What's your favorite movie? My fa- Christmas movie. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Serious. That's my. Truthfully, don't know. I have to think about it. I just gotta go with Die Hard. It's turbo. Everybody says it's not. I'm going Die Hard. I mean, I'll go with with Die Hard just to piss people off. There you go. I I love that people get really upset. Turbo time. It's turbo time. It's turbo time in this in my house. Bree, what's your favorite Christmas movie? We got to get one from Bree. The Grinch. Oh, that's a classic. With Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's the Grinch. All right, cool. Oh man, Predator Commando. All these good things is coming up. I'm saying true lies. Oh, banger oh. after banger after banger. Oh, true lies is a really good one. Conan the Barbarian. That's Tom Arnold's Tom Arnold's <laughs> best work. Tom 
<laughs> Are we going to get DMCA? Knock it off. Uh, yeah. Hey, I so, don't think you can hear it on yeah, the can uh, hear it. True lies. A great pull right there. Great way. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Oh, All right, should I thank our one. people and then get we us gotta the hell thank out the people. Here. We gotta thank As the people. always, everybody, this went <laughs> off the rails, but thank you for being with us. If you have not already, many of you have, hit that subscribe button. The bell icon will get you notifications each and every time that we go live. So the next time we talk about Christmas movies and Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can be sure to be here with us. But thank you once again. Bootzilla, Shahid, LJ, Money Mar, <laughs> Two Minute Warning, <laughs> Hypothetical Man, Rob, A, Liam, RC, Provolone John, Dan Murphy, SBK Quick. Love you guys, as always. We're going to see you tomorrow. Devon and I will see you on Christmas. But before then, got one more post-game show. Big for game the week. tomorrow. Tomorrow night, the mighty Toronto Raptors. Stick Nurse's former team will be here and tell we'll a be friend. Here to talk to about tell it. a friend to tell the other friend and the family. Tell everybody. Make sure you tell them to tune in. Oh, and in. twins with Danny DeVito. PHLY, Yo, Provolone John. Sixers Podcast. My guy. Tune in with us. We got to go to the chopper, guys. Can we borrow uh, Josh Harris's? You think he'll let us use it? I don't think Josh likes us enough to get us in that chopper. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the post-game show. Bree, as always, great job. We really appreciate it. For Derek and Kyle, I'm Devon. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on PHLY Sixers Podcast. We all silly like the mayor. 